1: It's eight minutes past eight. Thank you so much for staying with us on South Africa's News and Information Leader, SAFM. And it is time now for the Forum at Eight. Now, a survey of metropolitan and large local municipalities on building plans passed and buildings completed for the private sector finds that many building plans were passed but did not come to fruition during uh, due rather to the 2009 recession. Construction of new residential homes decreased first, followed by shopping centers, And industrial construction The results of the survey by Statistics South Africa Are used to monitor the state of the economy And the formulation of economic policy The results are also important inputs For estimating gross domestic product On the forum date this morning We dissect some of the key findings Of uh, this recently released survey And joining us for the discussion We have uh, Statistician General uh, Mr. uh, Lehotla. And also Professor Ivan Turok, who is the Deputy Executive Director of Economic uh, Performance and Development Research Program at uh, the Human Science Research Council. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time this morning.
0: Uh, Good
2: morning. Good morning. Good voice again. Thank you very much.
1: Now, of course, you know, you look at these statistics and, and, and you think, okay, so uh, what exactly are we supposed to make of this given that we are talking about a period of uh, of recession that we are just emerging from. But why, um, uh, Mr. Lihota, are these stats important?
3: The numbers are important uh, because uh, part of human activity is uh, shelter as well as uh, workspaces, and all these workspaces uh, are major square kilometers, major square meters around which industry does its work as well as shelter for human beings where they stay. They are important because they indicate where economic activities uh, take place. They are important because they point out to where growth uh, might be taking place, and one has to understand what that type of growth is. They're also important in terms of uh, working out what government policy or what policy intentions are and what the reality is. Therefore, the reconciliation of those two is very, very important. For instance, if you look at uh, the data for pouting uh, construction of dwellings it's actually a sprawling process uh, you, you you see human sprawl, sprawling of uh, human settlements in state of densification and uh, if you look at the rapid link it actually walk paves its way through almost a less dense population uh, and the population is actually at the periphery mm. so the policy intentions and where people settle uh, continue as though apartheid still is alive. And this happens both in Gauteng as well as uh, in uh, the Mangaung area. That is Joe uh, Metro and Mangaung. Uh, and when you compare that, if Cape Town does a little better, uh, so it's uh, rusting back. Uh, more generally, mm-hmm. uh, one sees uh, post recession uh, plans passed and uh, completed have declined uh, quite dramatically, and there is a, a very dramatic one for Tsuani, where a plan was made, a construction almost started, uh, but no occupation of the mall or completion of the of the, of the mall itself.
1: Would you say then, Mr. Lihota, that the stats that you provide? are incorporated in a meaningful way into policy formulation, given uh, the fact that you say we are still witnessing patterns that mirror apartheid-era settlement?
3: Well, uh, I mean, uh, if the intention is one and uh, the practice is different, uh, then there is uh, incongruence between policy and action. Uh, Of course, these things are very difficult things, Uh, (laughs) Uh, with urbanization, are we managing urbanization well? Uh, probably not. Uh, the, you see decadence uh, in uh, the well high-rises uh, around mm. uh, uh, Hilgo and the like. Uh, you see quite a, a decay in those spaces, uh, and the sprawling area uh, like Cosmo City is a replica of Soweto. Uh, so <laughs> uh, there the, the, the is a problem. In Mangaung, uh, you can see south of Manau is a, a uh, settlement heading towards Busabel in state of uh, major densification. There are pockets of densification that, uh, and then you look at Rastelbeck a little bit better in terms of uh, uh, settlements as well as uh, uh, industrial uh, industrial points, but we also have uh, the likes of uh, uh, Marikana uh, with those uh, uh, Sheikh settlements that run right across beginning Transkai uh, and uh, all those areas around the mining Farahatla and uh, the, there you see quite a lot of uh, sprawl, particularly of uh, Sheikh settlements.
1: And um, uh, Professor Turok uh, just listening to what the Statistician General is saying, I mean what does that mean then, in terms of how government is actually employing uh, the, research, uh, the research findings that is at its disposal?
2: Um, I think these are, are very, very important uh, questions, and um, I think one comment about this is that there is a tension between uh, what the private sector wants to do and where it wants to invest, and where government wants it to go. Uh, between putting it simply, between growth. Pursuing narrow growth and pursuing transformation, spatial transformation, to get uh, poorer communities closer to the economic opportunities. That's a long-term agenda. Uh, we also have to try and s- strengthen the recovery of our economy because it's this, these statistics suggest it's rather weak and fragile and very patchy in terms of its location across the country. So uh, I think this tension has to be managed quite carefully. We
4: can't pursue just one objective at the expense of the other.
2: Mm. Either of them. We have to do both growth and transformation. And so we need our municipalities to be really making uh, very smart decisions about what's appropriate in their particular circumstances. They can't just drive uh, a densification agenda at the expense of encouraging private investment. We've got to crowd in private investment and promote uh, transformation. And so that's a sort of clever balancing act that we need our municipalities to strike. And I think these statistics are suggesting it's quite uneven across the country. So I think one sort of starting point would be more debates nationally about what are our priorities and uh, how we can achieve this and how we can persuade households and private investors and uh, developers of the need for spatial transformation of our our settlements, of our cities and towns.
1: Mm, Priority is one, but uh, on the other hand, are our municipalities sufficiently capacitated in order to take on board this sort of information and to make the sort of changes that obviously we envision as a country?
2: Well, I think the short answer is probably no, but um, we are, I mean, there are a number of government programs Uh, led by the Treasury and a number of other departments. Uh, For example, the City Support Program, which is trying to help uh, our our municipalities to build up the technical and strategic skills required to promote this agenda. Uh, So we're starting this this conversation, and we're starting to build up uh, capabilities. But it's it's a fairly slow process because um, there's a kind of a lock-in to an existing model of urban development that we've inherited, right, of suburban sprawl, of building RDP townships on the edge of the cities. We're kind of locked into that. Our whole financing and um, engineering and uh, property uh, machine does that. So turning the machine around is quite a slow process.
1: Mm. And uh, just going back uh, to Mr. Lehotla, you spoke about Johannesburg uh, very briefly, but how does Johannesburg compare to some of the other major metros in the country?
3: The uh, metro uh, actually is one which is uh, worse in terms of uh, this urban uh, sprawl uh, and the disjuncture between uh, policy intentions and how uh, the RDP uh, houses um, are built actually at the fringes rather than uh, closer to uh, where where opportunities uh, are. Uh, and I think uh, the, the issue is complicated by, uh, well, uh, land I- invasions, what is the so called land invasions. And uh, uh, as policy tries to address this, how do you locate people, where do you construct, how do you reticulate? All those are really very very complex, and counting in fact, is moving in the opposite uh, direction. Uh, Western Cape a little bit, uh, Metro Cape Metro a little bit better, uh, but certainly where there are uh, indications of uh, progress is less than But that progress you can see is exposed by what we have seen in Marikana and the shark settlements that we see over there in the area of rusting the platinum mines. Mm. The key lessons are what kind of towns and cities are we going to see around the new emerging platinum belts uh, in Limpopo, where you see basically similar uh, patterns, although the statistics, building statistics do not show this uh uh, because the shacks are not included in the statistics, but they are a key pointer to how the tempo of urbanization around uh, mining towns, around mines and the industry, uh, what, what shape uh, this will actually take. So it's a, it's a pointer to to the future.
0: Mm-hmm. But coming
3: back to our question, uh, Geo- Metro first was well in this regard between policy intentions. And uh, what actually is happening on the ground?
1: And what do you think might be some of the reasons for that? Why is Joburg faring worse than other metros at this point?
3: Well, I think uh, the, the, the 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 provision of shelter, uh, well, the RDP houses, uh, Cosmos City, uh, towards the the fall, all those uh, points to where. The RDP dwellings, the HDP dwellings are, are, are made, the municipalities, uh, the decisions they take, uh, the capacity to 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 work out what has to be done, the levels of unemployment, because you can densify, but if people are not working, uh, you are going to create serious urban squalor uh, and decadence in those urban spaces, as we will see in Hillbrook. Uh, and the like. So the, the the easier way may well be the free RDP houses, um, because people do, do not afford, and mm. when you bring them into a city without affordability, you, you, you just generate very, very difficult to concentrate uh,
2: poverty within the city space.
1: Mm. And, and and brings us to the point of uh, the economy, of course, uh, Professor Turok.
2: Yes, I just wanted to come in here because it's interesting what uh, Mr. Lohopsa talks about, uh, Joburg's uh, problem. But, see, Joburg has uh, the greatest housing pressure in the country because of the rate of urban growth and, and migration. So Joburg is under greatest pressure to accommodate the largest number of people. Joburg is building the largest number of houses. So with the traditional model of urban development this is happening on the edge to a large extent of the city in the suburbs and, and beyond and, in, and and so on so but interestingly Joburg is also the most um, innovative metro in terms of taking on this challenge and their corridors of freedom uh, project in particular is really focused on trying to um, densify the corridors around the Ria Vaya that bus rapid transit system, right, to bring people closer to opportunities. And Joburg is is pushing ahead with this initiative in a very bold uh, uh, way, uh, quite an impressive way. So um, I think Joburg recognizes it's got big challenges of spatial sprawl and is now trying to make amends and to redress and correct that trajectory and to completely turn the city uh, inside out um, or outside in. Uh, in order to bring people closer to opportunities. So I think they need to be uh, recognized for that significant initiative they're taking. Mm.
1: And, and, and coming back to uh, the economic impact, because uh, if you look at it, you know, the number of plans uh, that were passed, and unfortunately, seemingly, there's been difficulty in the completion of what people initially planned to do.
2: Yes. The... the, um, the The statistics are extremely important as an indication of what's happening to the economy. And what they should show is that there are signs of green shoots. There is a recovery underway, but it's rather weak and fragile and quite patchy in terms of where it's happening across the country. It's also been led by shopping malls, which I think is a bit of a mixed blessing because we've had an experience of a consumer-led debt-fueled boom uh, which has led to a lot of people you know, experiencing stress, financial stress, uh, having to repay sizable debts. And uh, we don't really want to see another consumer-led uh, recovery. We need to see a, a broader-based recovery rather than one driven by shopping malls.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so there are positive signs here of, of, of uh, recovery. But as I say, it's, it's, uh, there are also some concerns about the nature of that recovery.
1: But aren't shopping malls a good thing? Doesn't it mean that there will be employment for people who live closer to those establishments? And um, also people won't have to travel that far, and that will be kinder to the environment, Ivan.
2: Well, it is good to see uh, jobs in th- Shopping malls do employ lots of people, um, but they also demand people, unless uh, you know, there's a growth in income in the economy... It basically, you open a shopping mall somewhere and you close another one somewhere else because people are shifting their spending patterns, right, unless they actually have more money to spend. So there is a concern about sort of you, you de- cause some areas to become derelict as a result of the creation of new shopping malls in the suburbs. And those derelict areas might well be in your inner city, precisely the kinds of place that you want to try and re- redevelop and regenerate, right, to densify the city. So there's that aspect as well as the concern about um, people getting into increasing debt and being unable to afford uh, all these wonderful goods on display in our lovely shopping malls.
1: And, of course, uh, our listeners, you are welcome to join the conversation as well, 891 You can SMS us on 34701, tweet or Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. And just looking at uh, statistics uh, from uh, the 2012-2013 financial year, um, 34% of the buildings erected during that financial year were homes, 15.8% were additions to homes, 10.9% were offices, it townhouses, 6% were shopping centers, 5.7% were flats and uh, schools accounted for 1% while casinos and churches accounted for 0.4%. Were you perhaps one of those people who had your plans approved uh, for extension or new buildings and then for some other reason couldn't follow through with it? We'd love to hear from you as well. Our guest this morning, uh, we are speaking... Speaking to our statistician general, uh, Mr. Paddy Lehotla, as well as Professor Ivan Churak from the HSRC. Let's go to the lines. Terence, you're calling from Kimberley. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, I, I think yes.
4: Good morning to the panel.
1: Go ahead, please, Terence.
4: Um, I'm going to comment in because the, the reason why I'm I, I did this, I've been recently to it right? network, Mm-hmm. I've seen the metro, there's a major influx of people coming in. I, I won't, I'm not sure whether the metro is going to handle that kind of situation, because it's houses, it is water penetration. I really don't know whether uh, the metro is going to handle this. I just want an answer from the panel, please.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Terrence. And um, speaking of that, I mean, uh, 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 Mr. Lihotla, you actually did uh, make reference to this uh, when you were releasing these uh, statistics for the survey. And you spoke about the incongruence in government's policy directives. Uh, please talk to us about that.
3: I didn't quite hear the the question, if you could just repeat it. What Chiris,
1: uh, Chiris was saying, the thing that he's noticed is that uh, because of this uh, influx of people into uh, the metros, he doesn't think that the metros will be able to cope long term.
3: Well, the, the, the inflow, as uh, Ben said, uh, into uh, particularly... Johannesburg, and uh, we'll see this between the censuses of 2001 and 2011, that uh, Johannesburg grew uh, quite dramatically and the accounting as a province uh, actually surpassed Natal. In the main, uh, the, the migration is the migration of, the, of, of largely the poor, people who are looking for work, opportunities, uh, and uh, service delivery such as reticulation of electricity, sanitation, and all those are things that have to be sustained by by rentals or purchases of uh, of houses. So Gauteng or Johannesburg has a major, major, major challenge in relation to managing uh, urbanisation. So the the challenges are are there to see. Uh, and uh, when you see service delivery protests, you can see a system that is uh, really under a lot of uh, stress as a consequence of urbanisation and uh, urbanization is going to continue the 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 the, the, the news uh, to local authorities uh, in Gauteng uh, that uh Johannesburg uh, in particular is that uh, urbanization is a process that's going to continue the the, the it's not going to stop uh, and to the extent that economic conditions are the way they are and urban centers are perceived or indeed are centers of growth, as you will know, that uh, the Kauten province uh, is 36 percent, is the engine of the economy, and uh, people will continue to come. So managing that uh, is a very complex and very difficult task, I suppose.
1: Mm, Indeed And uh, of course this morning we're looking at a survey Of metropolitan and large local municipalities On building plans passed And buildings completed for the private sector And finds that uh, Many building plans were passed But did not come to fruition due to The 2009 recession Love to hear your views On exactly this and the impact That it has had on society By and large but also Perhaps if you'd like to tell us what impact It's had on you and potentially developments that you may have had with regard uh, to buildings and of course looking at the stats why so many uh, 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 why so few schools rather 1% accounted for the number of schools that were built on the casinos front I don't think we'll be crying 0.4% that's not too bad it is 8.30 time for news headlines with Babakshi Chetty and with that it's time to find out what's coming up on morning talk with Ruina Bird Thank you, Sakina, and good morning to you. Coming up on Morning Talk today, the first hour is the open line. Uh, we'll be taking calls and SMSs from listeners on whatever issue they would like to discuss, and that's going to be followed with workers on Wednesday. And today on this feature, we will talk about the National Development Plan and whether it's on course to address the socio-economic challenges that the country faces. And in the final hour of the program today, we're going to talk about the International Mathematical Olympiad. It's due to be held at the University of Cape Town on the 8th and 9th of July and that's the show for today thank you Sagina.
2: the construction world is evolving and if you're part of it you need to evolve with it NIT Sinklovy and SIDU Media attorneys are experts in construction law with in-depth knowledge on NEC3 contracts and handling disputes arising from it for legal advice relating to construction law call us on 011 268 5225 MNS attorneys legal expertise in your corner South Africa, meet South Africa. Meet 50 million reasons to say hello. Eta, meet Howzit. Salam, meet Molo. One day, meet one day. Meet a nation that loves to play and dance. Saki Saki, meet Pansula. Meet the original Trance. Meet Sunshine and taste our country's finest wine on Africa's favorite airline. There's a story in each seat because great things happen every time we meet. South Africa meet South African Airways we are ready to connect you South African Airways bringing the world to Africa taking Africa to the world in the last chapter of the Ford Ranger Odyssey we saw infighting sleep deprivation Dust storms, wild animals. If you think you've got the determination to take on Africa's toughest terrain, enter online at rangerodyssey.com and you could become one of the 20 contestants. The 2014 Ford Ranger Odyssey. Are you tough enough to earn your place? Entries close 20 July 2014.
0: The Forum at 8 on SAFM.
1: This a shade short of uh, 24 minutes before 9 o'clock. And this morning we are looking at a survey of metropolitan and large local municipalities on building plans that were passed and buildings completed for the private sector. And what the survey has found is that many building plans were passed but did not come to fruition, mainly due to the 2009 recession. Now, the construction of new residential homes decreased first, and that was followed by shopping centers and industrial construction the results of the survey by stats SA are used to monitor the state of the economy and the formulation of economic policy these results are also important inputs for estimating gross domestic product and that's what we're talking about this morning and I asked you if perhaps you've been affected in some other way by this do tell us about it and also what are your thoughts uh, on what these figures actually tell us about society as a whole because that is exactly what what we are doing on the forum at 8 this morning, we are dissecting some of the key findings of this recently released survey. And our guest this morning, Statistician General Mr. Paddy Lehota, as well as Professor Ivan Turok, Deputy Executive Director of Economic Performance and Development Research Program at the Human Sciences Research Council. Now, I just want to go to the lines very quickly. They are open, 0891-104-208. And uh, I I must just say thank you, Mervyn, for holding on through the break. Kina, hey Mervyn. Listen,
4: I'm listening to these statisticians and all these problems. There's a problem, not a uh, solution, not in in, in rural development. If we develop the rural areas, then there's no need for people to the Because if I listen, if I listen to the to these clever guys there, the professors and the statisticians. You said to yourself, but this is, a, this is a tsunami. Twenty years down the line, we'll have the same discussion. Because you cannot stop this city development, and there's no money to stop it. Why not think an alternative would buy uh, a uh, uh, the rural area then the people stay in the rural areas? And then you have to run to the city, because with people going to the city, you have problems like crime, housing, Every day, there's days, days, seven communities. Mm-hmm. If those people come back to the rural areas, then you have that, you know, even if the people with money develop a new area in the city, they will, townships will come up. So, so, so it's, like, it's like, it's a circle. I would say, the government just think, and they start developing the rural areas.
1: And okay. will have
4: these... Mountains of problems every year, 20 years down the line, we will sit with the same, and the same clever people will come and, 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 and accept the lake and bring the figures, and,
1: and you will come back to it's like a vicious circle. Okay. Let's start and think alternatives. All right, got you there, uh, Mervyn in Graf Thank you so much. And in Mpumalanga, good morning.
5: Good morning. and Good morning to you, and congratulations. You look very nice on Norlin's program, and you are very good on it, too.
1: Oh, thank you, so It's
5: lovely meeting you there, no, hearing you. And I haven't got your name correctly, so I'm it's not
1: trying Sakina. to... It's Sakina. It's for Sugar, Sakina, okay, A-K-I-N-A.
5: Yeah, I presumed you were the lady who does the morning program when I saw you on Nolan's program. Right. My contribution is, so I'm from a language, you know, in a rural area, with many settlements. Now, we have in Pumalanga many uh, great resources of mining, agriculture, forestry, and tourism. And as I've said before on the radio, what is the possibility? I'm asking your guest speaker now, Lakoto, is it? Ms. Lakoto What is the possibility of developing light industries here in our rural areas that would keep the people at home, especially the, the, the mothers?
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Light industries related to the above the, the industries I've just mentioned. Light industries like uh, jewelry, in agriculture like tinned fruit or vegetables, in forestry like um, um, furniture making, and then tourism is a quarter developed here in Pumalanga. So I think that much more development could be done in the rural areas through these resources uh, that we do have. and give people employment. That's my contribution to your very wonderful program this morning.
1: Thank you so much, Anne, and thanks for listening. And um, uh, let me start with you, Professor Um Both Anne and Mervyn both saying perhaps we should be looking at rural development as an alternative. But this is something that we've heard, you know, being talked about over and over again. So what seems to be the problem in moving it forward?
2: um this is these are extremely complex and uh, difficult questions I think a, a few points around this I think the first one is that this, this urbanization is a global phenomenon right so South Africa is not unusual indeed every country in the world as it has developed and prospered has urbanized so it's not something that we can go and say let's just do something alternative and that hope that it might work because there are strong economic arguments is a strong logic for urbanization around efficiency and around productivity. Uh, of both the public services, it's more efficient and cost-effective to pro- provide uh, hospitals, clinics, schools, and other public infrastructure in a concentrated form. And secondly, for the private sector, there are enormous uh, benefits of uh, proximity from firms being closer to each other in terms of their supply chains in terms of uh, uh, coordination, uh, communication, and so on. So uh, these are really important economic arguments why urbanization is to be supported. Uh, It creates some difficulties in the the short term and pressures on our municipalities. We have to find ways of accommodating that. And indeed, we've done reasonably well. Um, Mr. La census statistics show that actually, the metros have managed to keep pace and indeed outpaced the growth in urban population with all the basic services we, we know about, water, sanitation, electricity, and so on. We've actually increased or cut the backlogs in our metros as well as absorbing um, significant increases in population. So we can accommodate urbanization. We can do it well. But we, it's not an alternative to rural development. I think it's very important. We have about um, nearly 40% of our population still living in towns and rural areas, and we do need to support these because it's it's not an either-or and I think we've, with the Minister of Rural Development, we've made significant strides in this, in this area. We need to uh, enhance those efforts, uh, and we do need to do many of the things that your two callers talked about, including agro-processing, strengthen agricultural uh, food production, uh, do uh, forestry-related uh, furniture, and uh, beneficiation of our minerals. I think these are really important. They are explicit. Policies of government. Mm -hmm. I think implementation has sometimes suffered a bit. So we need more focus on doing these really important economic development uh, policies in our rural areas, and that will help uh, to uh, create employment in places where there is.
1: I mean, how far does your influence uh, as a Stats SA actually spread? I mean, you develop, uh, of course, you go and you conduct the surveys, you bring the numbers, all good and well. But in terms of further support uh, to government structures, do you have any uh, role to play in that regard?
3: Yes, I mean, the the numbers uh, are very important, and I'll point to more generally to what they actually do. Uh, they increase uh, the levels of uh, transparency in what uh, policy intentions and policy actions are. Uh, They uh, enforce accountability uh, in that congruence space of policy intentions and policy. uh, And because the results are available to everybody, then we can look at uh, the same image of what we want to do, and therefore they transform. Uh, The... And uh, such discussions as this one are very important uh, so that the public can take this to heart, understand better what confronts us, and then act uh, appropriately. So the the kind of support that we have to to, to provide is in terms of uh, look at 2001 census, look at 2011 census, look at what we intended doing, look at where populations are, uh, for instance, like in Jo metro, look at what has happened in Rustenburg. But uh, look at the shacks that are there as well. What? what, what how? How do municipalities uh, cope with this? And the use of these numbers will help and go a long way. Uh, most of the time and at times, one laments that they don't seem to percolate into the integrated development plans. Mm. But And that cannot be blamed on municipalities alone. It's how national and provincial governments converge in a meaningful way around these numbers in the local space and take the necessary action in those spaces. Uh, Currently, uh, national and provincial are not so well coordinated uh, in the municipalities and municipalities are left uh, on their own to discuss. The integrated development plans. And actually, that's where the discussion across all spheres of government have to occur, uh, using uh, these numbers as uh, important sources of evidence for action. So, <laughs> the urbanization the, the problem is in fact a result of a disjointed uh, kind of planning uh, that occurs uh, across government.
1: And then uh, just looking at the economy once again, obviously in order for most of these projects to be completed, uh, there needs to be some upsurge in the economy. How do we kick start again you know, from this recession that we are hopefully we, we're trying to emerge from it, but it's proving to be very difficult, Professor Turok. But what do we need to do? Because when you look at, you know, the public spending on infrastructure, will that necessarily yield the results that you are looking for, which is a more private sector growth? I think this is a a critical question. And I think the the public
2: infrastructure program that you've mentioned is is critical to this agenda. Um, So the first thing is we have to start implementing this. Uh, at scale and I think there are some some questions the, the, the construction companies are saying you know they're not the orders are not coming through so I think we have to g- g- start accelerate the implementation of the infrastructure program is the first key point the second point is that if we do this right then we can unlock enormous opportunities for private investment in buildings in housing in offices in industrial buildings in shopping malls and so on we have to create places functional places, efficient places, where, which are vibrant and attractive and where we can crowd in private investment. We won't do that if we just put roads and uh, sanitation and water infrastructure down, you know, in kind of a haphazard way. We have to really plan this effectively, and Mr. La Hortle is quite right. We need to have very good spatial plan for integrated development to create uh, nice functional places where people can get to work quite easily where people can get to shops and other amenities uh, quite quite easily and which are socially more integrated than we have at the moment. And I think if we do create these attractive, vital, uh, dynamic places, this will bring attract private investors and it will help to really boost our economy. So we've got to think more spatially than we have in the past beyond the silos of different infrastructure departments and to think at the local scale to create these uh, good, well-functioning places, and I think that would help a great deal to strengthen the economy, strengthen growth, and also to create long-term, desirable environments for all our
1: citizens. And uh, we're going to go back to the lines now, 891 Anthony is calling from the West Strand. Good morning, Anthony.
0: Realise that the industrial age is actually ending. And taking the condition of Detroit, the greatest industrial city, became bankrupt because the number of people who immigrated into that city and imposed welfare payments exceeded the amount of income which that city could get from normal growth. It is a total myth and is going to destroy Africa if we continue to say that urbanization is inevitable. It is like a cancerous growth. And the importance of the information age is that people don't have to go to a city for all the wonderful things which they expect to find there. Um, the information, the whole digital revolution can take of anything which anybody um, looks for as a civilized um, activity out to the most remote rural areas. And the solution is a policy which I'm now working in Tanzania with having a policy of new rural towns. Tanzania, um, all their small juju villages collapse because that was an old idea. You can't force people to go into areas. You have to be, invite people. And the information age is the future, not the industrial age. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Anthony, and we'll get a response to that in just a little bit. In the meantime, if you'd like to send us an SMS, 34701, tweet or Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. Saudi Airlines is proud to announce our new schedule. Flight three times a week to Jeddah for Umbra. On Mondays, Wednesdays and Saturdays, Saudi Airlines also wishes to announce our new destination routes to Madrid, Los Angeles, Toronto, Manchester, Asia and the Far East. Contact Saudi Airlines on 11 390 Email jnbres at saudiairlines.com or visit saudiairlines.com or contact your local travel agent. Saudi Airlines, welcome to your world. First, it was the first democratic elections in 1994. The president of the Republic of South Africa, Mr. Nelson Kholishasa Mandela.
4: The time for the healing of the wounds has come. The 2010 FIFA World Cup. We are proud. We are proud of Africa. The 2010 FIFA World Cup will be organized in South Africa. Then.
1: A South African winning an Oscar
0: and the Oscar goes to Charlize Theron
1: I'm gonna thank everybody in South Africa my home country and I'm bringing this home our democracy did not come cheap SAFM celebrates 20 years of inspiration let us all reflect on how our freedom was achieved SAFM South Africa's news and information leader Thanks for staying with us this morning here on AM Live on SAFM. And we are dissecting some of the key findings of a recently released survey of metropolitan and large local municipalities on building plans that were passed and buildings completed for the private sector, uh, which found that many building plans were passed, but they did not come to fruition uh, due to, amongst other things, the 2009 recession. And we are speaking this morning to Statistician General, Mr. Padile Hotla, as well as to Professor Ivan Turok, uh, of the HSRC. Now, uh, just going back uh, to our caller before the break, uh, Mr. Professor Turok?
2: Yes, he makes an interesting point, and this has been argued for a number of decades, that the information age will, will level uh, geography, will get rid of geography, the death of distance people have talked about. But in fact, all the evidence for the last 20 years is that actually the um, Information age, information communications technologies actually reinforce the concentration of activity. If you look at uh, cities like New York and London, right, these have been the most dynamic places in the global economy over the last 20 years. And that's because there are other key determinants of economic success that that favor concentration, like the capacity for innovation, advanced universities, talent, creative talent, investment capital – these things tend to be geographically concentrated and information technology although it offers a kind of platform which does create opportunities for businesses everywhere to access markets around the world it also uh, is it, it, it doesn't operate on its own it needs these other drivers of economic development such as finance and uh, creative skills to uh, to be successful and these things remain concentrated because the forces for agglomeration powerful and difficult to
1: resist. And uh, of course, one of the other questions that is coming out of this, Mr. Um, Lehota, is why were there so few schools built?
3: 1%? Well, I, I don't think um, units of, uh, of, of housing uh, relative to units of uh, work, uh, that is, the units where people work and where schools are constructed. Uh, the the relative numbers that participate in those kinds of things uh, uh, differ very, very largely. A school would take about 2,000 children. A house will only take about three people, Mm. uh, whereas a workplace may average about uh, 60 people. So a school, uh, as a concentration point, has a much, much large number. So if you were to look at those per capita, Uh, the schools may be performing much more per per, per unit of persons uh, compared to housing and so on. So it is not small in that uh, respect. And in fact, uh, uh, education has invested uh, quite a lot in building of schools, and the number of children that are in schools at primary level attest to the success of building of schools. Of course, uh, what the quality of education is is another matter. So the the comparison uh, cannot be very direct because you are dealing with uh, different uh, units of measurement uh, here. Uh, getting back to what uh, Professor Ivan uh, Turok has just said in answering the the, the, the caller, indeed uh, the forces of agglomeration are so are so forceful uh, and heavy, and human beings are very gregarious. Uh, uh, Information technology uh, makes them more areas, but they also have need physical contact. What information technology might have mitigated in these agglomerations is that uh, the need to travel between two points has been reduced, but uh, the, the need to agglomerate uh, still is a very very pertinent uh, force. Uh, secondly, material materials. Production of materials require agglomeration, uh, unlike uh, technology, which is movement of uh, mov- movement of, of 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 things like uh, funds, uh, movement of information and the like. But things like mining of gold, uh, mining of uh, production of clothes, mm. all those things by themselves uh, require economies of scale and therefore uh, agglomeration. So those forces are still mitigate okay. uh, against uh, what the information technology could do.
1: So looking at uh, the Twitter and what's coming through there, uh, Zaik Zofriwa says South Africa's wealth of about 4 trillion is in real estate. Banks manage supply and demand to maintain the prices. And Sipom Siza says a, pre- uh, a question to Professor Churok um, What's the point of building shopping centers uh, with a shop right in a neighborhood but still paying people you know, f- uh, less salaries?
2: Um, It's a good point, and uh, the salaries in our retail sector are pretty low. Um, You can't suddenly increase them overnight. Uh, We've got to, I think, um, we've got to basically try and improve the incomes of people across the board uh, so that, um, uh, you know, generally we can afford. We've got to make our economy more prosperous so that people can afford and companies can afford to pay higher wages, people are more productive, Uh, and our cities and towns function better. I think it's all part of a long-term process of development that we need to work harder at.
1: Well, we're going to leave it there for this morning. Uh, To our guest, uh, Statistician General, uh, Mr. Padilio Hotla, and uh, Professor Ivan Turok, Deputy Executive Director of Economic Performance and Development Research Program at the Human Sciences Research Council. Thank you so much uh, to you both for your time this morning.
0: Thank you
3: very much,
1: And uh, so there you have it. You know, when we talk about the economy, there are so many factors that weigh into government's uh, policy directives and how that is formulated. And this is just one of those that perhaps ordinarily you wouldn't necessarily focus on. With that, we come to the end of the show and thank you so much to our producers Andam Chamela Nswaki Ku as well as Sesanda Jonas senior producers uh, Chilidzi Chibase and Lungile Mabaso foreign producer Ronald Piri and our technical producer Intogozo Kuzwayo, specialist producer Budzi Lukoto and our exec- executive producers Busi Chane and Aubrey Chie. And as always, a great big thank you to you our listeners as for being as fantastic as you always are we're weighing in on what we bring you and of course we'll be back with you tomorrow morning between eight and nine uh, well between uh six and nine from six that's when we start here on am live on SAFm it's nine o'clock it's time for the news with Ratnitch.